Hello, my friends. Welcome back to The Conversation. This is Chad. This is the Naked Leadership Podcast. In this episode, Dan, Adrian, and I talk about intention. What is it? Why do we need it? How do we create it? These are all questions that we explore in the conversation. Before we dive in, I wanted to tell you about a free resource we have for you. It's called The Change Imperative. It's an ebook that Dan wrote all about organizational change. Listen, every organization is going through some sort of change at any moment in time. It's just whether or not you're ready for it and know how to utilize the change to your advantage. You can go to change-imperative.com and get your free copy of this ebook. It's invaluable, I promise you. I will also link it in the show notes so you have that link, change-imperative.com. Okay, now for the conversation. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Conversation. My name is Chad Brown. I am with my usual suspects here today, Dan Takini and Adrian Kaler. How are you guys? Good. You're great. None of us have been caught yet, so we're doing well. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Dan, you always say uh, we're all criminal, just some of us are more... uh, Arrestable than others. (laughs) Some of us are more arrestable than others. And you know who I'm talking to. (laughs) (laughs) as you already know this is the naked leadership podcast where we have conversations where no and this is the place where no conversation is too risky too precious when we're talking about challenges at the top and we welcome you back to the conversation to play with us to 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 toss around some ideas today we're talking about intention intention uh, is a fantastic conversation to have at this point we're we're still semi in the beginning of the year, and uh, a lot of people are setting some intentions. Uh, there's some conflicting intentions. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about intention versus mechanism. Um, just a lot of stuff to dive into in this conversation, and I'm grateful to be here. Thank you so, so much. As usual, I'm so grateful, so honored to be a part of this conversation with you, too. So let's dive in. I want to start talking about intention. What are we talking about when we use the word intention? Well, I mean, the way I think about it is when I first saw my wife, I was on top of a movie theater fixing a hot dog machine watching a parade. And this oh, hold on, hold on. Why was there a hot dog? <laughs> hold on. I'm lost already. There's a hot dog cooker or a machine on top of a theater. On top of my movie theater, I, I had a hot dog machine down in the snack bar. But, you know, I was, I was living in the theater, so I'd go upstairs, and, you know, on the roof, there was this nice patio, so I'd sit on the patio and fix, you know, I was fixing that hot dog machine that day, but I've fixed many other things out there. And how many hot dogs would you eat as you're fixing the hot dog machine? That's proprietary information. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to kill you if I told you. So, but, um, the, and I looked down, and I, I, you know, I saw this beautiful woman, well, she was 16, I was 19. I could have went to jail. But <laughs> I saw her down there and I told my friend, I'm gonna marry that woman. And he, he looked at me and he said, you gotta, are you doing drugs? I said, no, he goes, you don't even know her. And uh, I said, well, I'm gonna get to know her because that's, that's the gal I want. And then I proceeded to hunt her until I got her attention. But when I think of intention, Intention is I, that declaration, you know, that is the woman for me. 
right? That's all I thought about. And then my whole life has been about, you know, courting, wooing, reconciling her, my relationship with Eileen. But then when I think of intention, you know, it, it literally it means to wrap your mind around or, you know, put your mind around something to such a degree that it begins to order your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions. It's what you aim at. Yeah, that's really great. I don't think I have anything better than that. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. You, you're doing it right now. You, you're in love, aren't you? Yes, yes. But yeah, I mean, they're... <laughs> and you told, I remember you saying to me, I just want to find a gal I can really connect with and that I can invest in. And I believe I get that I can invest in the relationship. I'm, but I want that. And then all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but over the last year yeah. or so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a distinction for me, I mean, intention really is, I mean, I can be a tool like anybody. Yeah. So, and by that, by that, I mean, like I can have a goal and act like I, that, that the goal doesn't need me as much as I need it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, let's say we just got, we just got back from a really great uh, weekend away up in Big Sur. It's phenomenal. And we're having a discussion on first night we were there and it became a little bit of a con tough conversation at dinner time. And it's halfway through in the conversation. I'm realizing I'm here arguing a point. And, With yourself? <laughs> well, yes. And, you know, and, and, and yeah, essentially kind of like playing my own little game there, like making some kind of argument about why I'm right about something or why she's missing something. And then it dawns on me that I am playing a stupid game. Like I can be right about this and ruin Friday night at least, if not Saturday and, and Sunday morning. Yeah, you could actually have a trifecta if you do well. I mean, you <laughs> that's them right, all. that's you right. All three, like, a, it, like, a, like a strike, good job. Yeah, it dawns on me, it's like, hey man, hold on, what's the purpose here? What's the point? Oh, the point is to be connected. The point is to be with her, not to be right about this thing. And that's, for me, a lot of like where in, in like intention bubbles up. It's like, I will even notice and get out of my own way when I am in the way between me and what I say my intention is, you know? So it's like, so I could, so I literally in that conversation, I said, hold on a second. Let me finish that. And let me be done with that. Let me get back to, I, here's what I hear you saying. And, and here's what I heard you, here's, here's, here's what I hear what you want. And here's the way, here's the bottom line about what I want and what I'm trying to say instead of making this long, beautiful philosophical argument about why it's, you know, making this streamline. I mean, you were teeing it up. You're trying to prepare them. I know I was making, I was doing a, I was doing a lecture, a, a psychological and, 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 and as she gets to know you, she'll see the, that train coming too. Yeah. Here it comes. Yeah. And she can <laughs> laugh and she can laugh about it. And, and well, no, what I, she'll do is she'll take out her nail file and start doing this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> He's here for him. Yeah. So here he comes. Yeah. So like, you know, I mean, so a lot of, a lot of, uh, and the, the idea of intention is like, what's the deepest calling is another way of like looking at it. I think is like, what's the deepest calling? Cause there's all these like superficial ego driven, you know, esteem driven, um, all these types of things that yeah, there are important boxes, you know, and, and, and I get to decide how important they are or whatever, but like there's deeper ones, which is back to your point, Dan, I've always wanted to be with someone that really wanted uh, we wanted to build something together and, and at some, 
at some point, for even for me, it's like I, I gave up a long time somebody wanting to know me as well. Like somebody like wanting to get to know me. I kind of gave that up. And so I can, sometimes if I don't watch it, like in that conversation on Friday night, I'm arguing a point so that maybe she'll get to know me instead of saying, well, maybe I'll lay myself out here in a conversation and maybe I can like realize that that's one of these higher, one of these like more superficial desires, but the deeper desire is just to be connected. And maybe I can not get what I want in the short term. And actually in the long term, I'll get it by not wanting it now. And so to, to wrap that, to tie that back into intention, there's like lots of different layers of, of what wants or needs are. Um, but some kind of intention is something that like I'm connected to at my deepest level and I'm really attached to it. It determines our priorities, right? That's our right. intention and our aim determines our priorities. Well, I, and, and I think you brought something there in there too, Adrian, that's pretty revolutionary that I think we take for granted, which is it is your intention, it sounds like, Yep. that was enabled you to, your intention to be connected, that enabled you to put off immediate gratification for, lo for a longer term benefit. Yeah. Right? And we take that for granted. But if you think about it, that's probably one of the biggest breakdowns in our society and in business today is like, you know, I'm willing to pay the price now because I see there's a benefit along, you know, down the road. That's the word sacrifice, right? In, in yeah. the ancient paradigms of the different cultures where you know the, the man found that basically we could stay nature off if we were willing to, if we worked hard now in this field and we focused on plowing it and planting a particular seed and and, and doing this that the long-term possibility of having abundance comes so we we're willing to short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain right yeah and i i don't it makes sense because if my intention is just for a quick you know, I want to gratify my immediate sense of discomfort or need. I'm probably sacrificing a lot of times. The, I have to assess, am I sacrificing the longer term goal here? Or is it worth, you know, is it worth putting this off because what's coming down the road? Yeah. You know? I know for business, that's one of the big things for me is just restarting myself in this market, right? Just doing that, uh, you know, after coming out of the tech market and coming back into this and then seeing the big change, I realized, you know, it took me about a year to get to the place where I'd go, you know what? I'm willing to pay the price. I'm going to be a big, I got off of, got over being, Hey, I'm 60 years old. This should, I already did this stuff. Yeah. I've been talking about this stuff for years when, you know, why, why can't you listen to me? Right. right? You know, like, like all these, how come I got to go out and do what everybody else is doing? Yeah. Not like I was thinking it. I was feeling it. Right. It's in my body. Yeah. That the more I got intended, to, more I intended to make a difference, the more I intended to add value. It, I was willing to, I, I realized that one day I went, you know what? I just got to give up all my short-term requirements. Yeah. With trying to extort the universe. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, yeah, I, you, taught me the, you taught me the significance of a phrase, no matter what. No matter what. And you tell it like, Maybe you can tell the, the story of your daughter and when you, you and her are in conflict. And, oh, that, yeah, and that's, that, was, that was intention. <laughs> no, but that, that was raw intention, right? Yeah. Go ahead. Tell it. Okay. So my beautiful daughter, who now is 33 years old and has two children, two girls, little girls, beautiful. It's like my girls, all three of them. Anyway, 
she was 12 years, 13 years old, pretty, my, my daughter's the one, the gutsy one, get out there, experiment, and, and I'd been gone a lot, I, I traveled a lot, right, I was out of the house a lot, I was two weeks a month sometimes, training, developing, and, you know, we did well, and we had a nice place, we had a couple acres, and a nice home on it, and, but they were left alone, and I, I had made a promise to my wife that if anything ever went off, that my first priority was always her and the family, and that, you know, she just needed to let me know and I'll do whatever it takes. And at one point, my daughter, my son, or my son was 15. My daughter was 12 or 13, right in there, just turning into it. And she was get, turning goth, you know, goth, the black makeup, the black fingernails. And Big she was shutting down at home. She wouldn't talk. And she was sarcastic and cynical, cynical and nihilistic. And which... The good news is her father's got, I got a little goth guy right down in the center of me. So I'm like, <laughs> should I get what she's talking about? <laughs> so anyway, I, but I was gone a lot. And, and at one point she, you know, my, my son had his best friend. They, my daughter and my son are very close and their friends are very close with each other. And so they used to hang together a lot. And my son's best friend had a 50th birthday, his father. And so they came over to the house and we're celebrating. And at the end of the party, you know, we're kind of done with dinner. We're, cleaning up and we're sitting down for dessert and we're going to smoke a cigar and Eileen gets this and, and he this guy has a son who's Dan's best friend he's good friends with Elizabeth and Danny and his girlfriend go off to to do some homework and uh, I'm sure it was homework and and then, uh, <laughs> and then um, <clears throat> Elizabeth when it was hanging out with Derek her friend or you know, my son's friend. And my wife gets this premonition that Derek's coming on to my daughter upstairs. So she goes upstairs and sure enough, there he is on top of her. And my, my wife's this little woman, five foot tall. She comes running down the stairs, pulling this kid six foot two by the ear. And all of a sudden the 50th birthday is the most um, awkward moment of my life. And because <laughs> my wife wants to tear this kid's head off and my daughter's standing next to him, like really feeling shameful. You can tell it's all over. And, so I awkwardly move everybody out of the house and keep things kind of calm and we'll get in touch with you and close the door. And I look at my daughter and I want to close the door. I go, honey, we got to talk about this. And she just flips me off and runs up the stairs. So now I know I got problems. Right. And so um, I go upstairs and I just tell her, you know, here's the deal. You, you know, you got, we got to talk about this. We got to find out what's missing that you would do this. And, and that, you know, like, it's not what you want. If it's what you wanted, we got to talk about it. What do you know what you're getting into? Let's talk. And she wouldn't talk. So I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to pick you up every day after school. I'll take you where you need to go. I'm going to be with you until we can reestablish this trust. I'm not just going to have you go out and play around. So I organized my life to do that. First day I bring her home after school and she comes upstairs and I sit down with her. I go, what do you got for homework? She turns with me and looks at me like an attitude. I call her the tood queen at this time. So she turns on a tood and she looks at me and looks up and she says, oh, is this your attempt at being a good father? And it like kicked me right in the gut. And like the Terminator, of course, they have five responses that show up in the window. And mm -hmm. The first one, you know, is fuck you. But of course, that, I'm not going to say that. And, <laughs> and the second one, then the degrades slowly. And the final, the last one is, you know what? You're right. <laughs> and that's the one I chose because she was. Yeah. You know, that was my attempt at being a good father. Not, it wasn't really about her. So I just sat there and worked with her through the, you know, kind of looked at what she was doing. She didn't ask. I asked if she wanted to help. No, very cold. This goes on every day for about a month. And by the end of the month, I'm in despair. She's killing me. She doesn't, 
like not a crack in the ice. Tough as nail, colder and colder. We drive to school, she looks out the window, no talking. We drive home, no talking. I mean, it's hard. And she's, you know, so it goes on like this. I call my friend in California and I say, because I really, he's a buddy of mine. He's about 10 years older than me. And I, I love the way his family lived together. And, you know, we, we, we used to homeschool with them, that kind of stuff. And good people. And so I, I go and said, Harry, uh, how is it that uh, you did this? Like, like, I'm up against this. I don't know what to do. My, I, I can't get reach my daughter. She won't even talk to me. It's been a month. And here's what I've done. He goes, you know, Dan, I don't know. I'm not your cult leader. I can't tell you what to do, right? Which is a line I've used on him. And he said, uh, <laughs> I hate it when they do that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> they give it back to you. <laughs> he goes, I go, well, I mean, what, did you, what do you do? He goes, you know what? I love them. I just keep speaking purpose over them. Like, I keep speaking my love for them no matter what. And I thought, well, that's great. I'll try that. So it goes on for another month. Not a crack. I'm telling her how much she means to me. This means to me, blah, blah, blah. So two months into it, two and a half months into it, I'm taking her to a dance class in Ann Arbor because we lived in this town in Michigan called Dexter. It's about 12, 14 miles outside of Ann Arbor. So we're driving to Ann Arbor in my big ex expedition. And my daughter's four foot six, four foot eight at the time. She's not barely five foot now. And um, tiny little thing, barely, you know, she should have been in a car seat, literally. I mean, she's that small. She could slip out of that seat belt in a second. And I'm driving and she's looking out the window as cold as ever. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, am I a poor parent? I am the worst father on the planet. And I can see it. My daughter's alienated. I must have done this because of my absence. Uh, there's a lot of things I didn't do. You know, you know, I obviously I'm horrible. So I, I pull over and on the side of the road is snowing. There's like a foot of snow out. It's cold out. It's quiet. You know, it gets in the snow. It's really quiet. I just turned to her and in tears, I just told, I confess, you know, I can see how horrible of a father I've been. And I can see the impact on you. And I'm not, please hear me. I'm not trying to be a good father. I just love you. And listen to this. I am not giving up on you. I don't care how bad I am. I am never giving up on you. It will, you, you're never going to shake me. I am going to pursue you till I find you. And I just, you know, I'm crying. I'm sad. And this little thing jumps out of her seat, buries her head in my chest and starts to weep. And I'm thinking to myself, I do not understand women. How, what the hell just happened? Right. Right. And, and then she starts saying, I love the way you love me. I love the way you love me. I'm thinking to myself, I'm, just, I'm terrible. I've just told you I'm terrible. I love the way you fail and still come after me. I know you love me. Thank you, Dad. And she's weeping, right? And then she comes out and confesses. You know, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I, I started that with Derek, and I didn't know how to stop it. And, and, and I felt bad, and I thought you were going to send me away, and I didn't know who to talk to. And it all starts coming out. And so we, of course, don't make dance class, and we talk. And then I get home, and, and she gives me like a stack of, diaries and you never want to read your daughter's diaries but she wanted me to read them so like, like a confession and so i read them and i never want to read them again she's got a mouth like a sailor at that age and it was, i was like i can't this is well i am a bad dad i can't believe this but you know what's interesting is we've been best friends ever since and i never told my daughter that she had to bring the guy home and you know interview me and uh, me interview him and approve but she only brought three men home and the third one she married and she was I, I asked her a long time like how, why did you do that she goes 
I don't know, Dad, you're my best friend. I, and my wife would say, how come they, she comes to you when she wants to talk about really hard stuff? And I said, I think because I'm not, my intentions to love her, not make her into something I think she should be. I just want to be, as you said, Adrian, connected, and I want to stand for what's best for her, but also recognize she's going to make choices, and I have a certain responsibility to a certain age to control or curb those, you know, corral those choices because I'm ultimately responsible for them. But, yeah. you know, all that. And all I have to say is now I watch her with her kids and how connected we are. And I'm, I can't tell you, it's the biggest gift in my life is that, and I know it's because of my intention was never to lose her. I was ready to leave my work, whatever, but, but that was, and I, I meant what I said, and I think she got it. And, and I think that's the most raw intention I've ever had. But, and I think that that's when, when I'm on my game, I think when people are on their game, we, we get clear about what we want, and then we break ourselves. You know, it's like that, that saying in, in, in the Bible, it says, a, feed, a seed shall fall into the ground and die so it can bear fruit, right? And there's a part of us that has to die to bear the fruit of our intention, right? If that makes sense. does make yeah. sense, yeah. I'm thinking about, I was, I was, putting, my, I was, I was putting myself in your shoes all along the, that story and thinking about how many outs there were. Or how, you know, and I'm thinking about for myself, I'm thinking about for all the conversations I'm in with friends or with clients and such, and like how quickly we are, all of us as humans are, to justify why it has to be a certain way to get myself off the hook. Yeah, yeah, well, the temptation to make her the bad guy because yeah. my intention wasn't showing up over there, right. <laughs> you know, I had to keep cutting it off because I knew it would just drive her farther from me. Yeah, she would, you know, and she told me when we talked, she said, you know, dad, what really got me was you, I could tell you kept checking yourself instead of saying, you know, that I know you were mad at me, but you didn't take it out on me. And I want to, that made, I, I felt like I could trust you. And I said, well, man, I'll tell you, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell, you know, you're looking out the window because half the time I'm looking out the window, I was smiling because I could feel you. I could, mm. You know, and I, and I'll be honest with you, dad, I was making you pay. I go, oh, you're like your mother, are you? <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm not exempt from that either i'm just kidding i i love how that story illustrates this idea of no matter what dan you also say a person with a, a person with a vision will not be held hostage by the circumstances that is that like there's something I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word magical, but there is something about when you meet somebody or you come across somebody who has an, atten an intention and they are going to go after it. They're either going to get it or they're going to die trying. Yeah, right. That's, there's something inspiring, right? They, if you, you read that Joseph Campbell stuff, The Hero's Journey, right? That, that whole thing is neurologically, it's people that they've done studies, right? Where they look at your, your brain waves when you hear a story. And the story that lights the brain up the most, literally lights it up, is the comeback story or the hero's story where somebody's down and they come back, right? And the guys who do that, gals who do that, it's because they just don't give up. And they've, they're, they're, they're like true north on their intention. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we all love it, don't we? There's this, there's this oh, video of the one of the Olympic races, and this gal falls down, and she's like in last place, and then she gets up. It's like an 880 or 440, and she wins the race, or maybe it's a mile, but she comes from behind and like way behind and wins the race in the in this Olympic event. I mean, it's like that kind of. We love that stuff. Yeah, you know, we and but but to do that requires that that. 
like you were saying, Adrian, I couldn't give my, I mean, I noticed a lot of times even when I was talking to my friends, I wanted to make myself look good. So a lot of times I didn't say anything because I knew if I just, if I went down that path, all I'm going to do is alienate my daughter and get right about she's the problem. And, you know, I love what you said earlier. What you, you said something about it earlier, Adrian, you said about, uh, say it again. You got, you have these great little phrases. You're like a little machine that comes out with a, like little <laughs> slogans. I'm going to pull the trigger now. I'm pulling the lever. Adrian, what was that slogan? Slot machine. I don't remember. I don't remember. I wish I did. Do you remember when he said, he said, uh, I know there's a problem when it's out there or I'm, I blame something outside of me is what you said. Something like that. And that, that that's, that's when the game goes off. Yeah. Like you think about a breakdown, right? you and I are in the middle of a breakdown around some internal stuff in our business right now. Yep. And I love the way you're working with it because it's like, okay, this is what we got. Now, what do we want out of this? Right. That's we had that discussion this morning and we got where I work with, where I like working with Adrian is he has a great ability of getting, okay, what, okay, good. It's a mess. Now, what do we want to have this mess serve? Yeah. Right. That's what we, that was our discussion this morning. Would, would you agree? No. Yeah. That was, that's like aligning the intention. Yeah. So we're not talking about what we're going to do, right? I, how many, I mean, one of the things I think about is you ever lay in bed and stay up at night? When I'm, when I'm wake up at night and I can't sleep because there's something on me, it's not because I'm, I, I realize, I think it's because I'm worried, but what it's really up is I've been untrue to my intention and it, I don't, I'm not being, I haven't taken responsibility for stewarding what's next or, or under, mm. thinking about getting clear about this is what I'm standing for. This is my intention. And then thinking from that back. And that's how I, I get myself at peace at night when I can't sleep. Okay. These are the things I need to talk, ask about. These are the conversations that need to be had. And from there we will discover what it's going to take to get this intention out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to pull out like just a couple things you said there, Dan. And this is something that I learned from your wife, Eileen, so deeply is the difference between how and what is it going to take? How is useless? Yes. How is mechanism? You know, there's, there's a thing you do in front of the training room that I love where you put up um, intent, intention plus mechanism equals success. Results. That, is that is a result? Sorry, results. And you ask, the, you ask the group, okay, if these two things combined equals results, what percentage is intention and what percentage is, re, is mechanism? Yeah, just to get, because think about it. I mean, if you have a team of people and you ask that question, and let's say you got six, you got a team of 12 people, you got five who say, hey, it's mechanism. You know, it's, it's 90% mechanism, 10% intention. And then you have the other six, 60% say, no, it's intention. It's 90%. And they have different degrees. They might say it's 50% intention, 50% mechanism. Somebody might say it's 90% intention and 10%. You know, the, the, what the issue is, you're going to have a ton of discord because people are going to be focusing on different places to resolve the breakdown. So understanding what that, that's one of the first things I know we do with our organization is we, we say it's 100% intention. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. If your mind's clear, if you are clear about it, then you'll find the mechanism that best serves it. Yeah, no matter what. No matter yeah. what, you're going to find it. If you're, it's like, you know, 
Again, I, I go back to the Bible. There's a really interesting story in the Bible that has always captured me. It's the story of Saul, who was, you know, he becomes this great apostle, Paul. It's a really interesting story because this is the capo di tutti capi of the Jewish high priest, right? He can do anything he wants. He's the godfather. But he goes out to kill Christians because he wants, he says he's glorifying God. He's cleansing the church of this, this idolatry. People are worshiping a man instead of God, which they don't even say his word, his name, right? So pretty interesting. And then along the way, he encounters, you know, Christ, the apparition of Jesus, and becomes a follower. Now, you think about it, why would that happen? Well, because he really was intending, in his mind, to glorify God, and he realized, well, that wasn't what, that was not the way to do it. But he had to take a step, right? He had to go after what he believed, and then in the process, he got corrected, right? And I think that's true for all of us. Whatever we intend, especially if it's new ground, we're probably going to start off in the wrong direction, maybe even the opposite direction. Yeah. But if our intent is really true, we will find our way. We will be guided by our failures toward what's wanted and needed. We will find the mechanism. We will do what it takes and it will have, it'll start to turn out. Yeah. Even if it does the next generation, right? Yeah. Well, that's, I'm, <clears throat> I'm thinking about intention. Uh, you know, like, like where, where, it, where does intention happen? No, that's, that's, that's worth exploring because I mean, I'm so many examples come to mind. My first point is like, you know, intent, intention for me happens within me. Like I am the holder of my own intention. Like it is happening. It's generated from me and it's always in. Where would I find it in you? And your if I cut open your head, would I find it there? Well, there's, well, <laughs> fair question. <laughs> Let's try it. <laughs> I'm afraid of the, the, the vast spaces. I, have <laughs> I was doing this, I was doing this staring contest with this kid the other day. Amazing, amazing young, uh, young kid I'm getting to know. And uh, we're doing a staring contest. Remember as a kid, you're, you're having a staring contest with somebody. And I was having a staring contest with him. And, he's, and he said to me, he said, it's like you're looking into my soul. And I said, yeah, it's really dark in here. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got these, he's old enough and smart. Now he's enough. going to therapy. You get the joke. I know, I ruined him. I was like, hold on. How does he know? Um, no, but where, when you say that, I mean, literally, where, where do you believe it exists? Sure. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, it's probably an integrated thing. Like it's... Uh, it's not, it's, it, it comes out in language. So it kind of comes out through my head, but you know, but it, 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 it is, I mean, I was just this morning, I was hanging out with some friends this morning in this reflective practice I have. Um, and I, I just wrote down th these few lines here. I wrote down as I'm, people are talking and I'm not paying attention, I'm, but I'm, I'm talking to myself about what I need for today. And I wrote down here, I stand. And I said, I am surrounded by love and strength and opportunity, deep breath, hold loose, let's go. Right and on. My own way to like get myself centered, right? And I, you know, so that's my own intention for the day. Like, you know, deep breath, hold loose. And I, cause I, I can hold tight to shit. Like it's got to go a certain way. So hold on to it, but hold it loosely and let's go like action oriented, let's roll. And so, and so the intention is generated from me and it's from the heart, from the gut, from like what matters to me. And that's, that's a, that's deeper than just my cognitive, you know, thinking about something or, or what I tell myself I want, like what must be for me, what must be for me. 
you know, like that's, that's, yeah, well, yeah. This is something about that is intention. And then I'm thinking about it, even as you and I, Dan, as we're navigating the waters and building this business with this amazing team, you know, also intention then is held to your point when you get together in a room, like intention is also held then in the space between us as human beings, like the quality of our relationship um, is, is everything is the container uh, for what intention is actually possible. Because I'm thinking about how many founders we work with and startup teams we work with where they spend a lot of time talking about strategy, which is important, which is great. And then they go out in the market and they blow it or one person blows out because they didn't spend enough time exploring what it's going to take for them to stay connected when the first wins come, when the first challenges come. Well, and there's right on, there's a, there's a neurological challenge as well because your brain, they call it the three brain theory, right? There's different parts of the brain, but we have a very highly evolved aspect of our brain, which is the neocortex and the prefrontal cortex. And then as you get down into the brain, like the limbic system, and then down into the amygdala and the stem, those are more ancient aspects of the brain. And they're programmed to keep you alive automatically, right? That, so that when, when something's dangerous, the, the more higher developed part of the brain tends to shut down and you just... We just act automatically to preserve ourselves, even though there may not be anything threatening. If we think there is, then our body, you know, the, the mind can't really tell the difference between a real and imagined experience. So we go on alert and we tend to repeat patterns like that. But what you say is pretty interesting because the minute we, this neocortex is so powerful that if we can keep from allowing the emotions to override our, and shut down those parts of our brain, the neocortex enables us to rise above the circumstance and look down on it, which no other animal can do. Yep. And then we can reason, we can see possible futures that, like when you're, like, you, you know, if you're hurting for certain, like when I was hurting with my daughter, all I wanted was her. So to see any light about getting to her was like life, right? Like you said, because that intention, so it really takes, to me, it takes courage to stay in that longing when you're being rebuffed by circumstance along the way, you go, wow, is this worth it? Mm -hmm. Right? And how, I, I don't know, a lot of the, the folks we work with, a lot of our work is slowing the train down yep. to really get clear about why, where is this train headed and why are we on it? <laughs> what are we really up to here? Right? Because it's yeah. so easy to get dissipated. I mean, for me, it is. Yeah. That's why I love hanging out with you and, and the team is because we're constantly edging each other that way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it brings me back to a conversation I had with a, with a client, I don't know, maybe a month ago. And she was talking about, um, we were talking about how to get her division and this other gal's division more aligned and she was talking about how this other person the head of the other division always is in meetings and she has a really clear story about how she is and and you know as you can imagine um you know she doesn't like her very much and she wanted to talk with me around mechanism really so what she wanted to tell me is what should i say when this happens da, da, da. and i stopped her and said well tell me about the type of relationship you want with her and it took What's a long saying? pause and she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, well, let's start with, do you want to be friends with her? And she hadn't asked herself that question. But what I was inviting her to do is to zoom out and get connected to her intention. Right on. Otherwise, she's just going to use the conversation 
to be right, use the conversation to back her off, use the conversation to, to win, use the conversation, use, essentially pick a mechanism to try to get what she wants instead of getting connected to what's, what was possible for her, which was to say, hold on, this is another human being having her own experience and she comes off like this and let me wonder for a second about why she does that. And if I can connect with her and why she does that, then that intention, if that would break through to her that, hey, I'm not here to fight you about where we're headed as these two divisions coming together. I actually want to be with you as, you're, as we both want to create this thing together and offer her that kind of love, which we ne rarely talk about in the business context, but that's really what's there is like respect, yeah. respect, respect, care, concern, and shared interest, um, and be there with her because uh, she could actually give her the correction if it was in alignment with the intention. Yeah, well, you know what I like is that usually what comes back when you talk like that from the cynical, you know, the cynical executive is, well, you, you're just naive. Yeah. Right? And, well, really? Because if I'm actually radically transparent and radically honest, what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to probably lose the people who don't want to be honest and transparent, and I'm going to attract the people who do. Yeah. And I'm going to actually see shit happening when it's a little tiny hors d'oeuvre before it becomes a four-course shit meal, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to see it earlier. But I notice my biggest problem, my biggest challenge is my, my primitive brain is afraid it's not going to get what it needs. And so it, it has a tendency to go to dogma, right? Like when I say dogma, I mean, I'm not open to anything but my idea or any, I'm only open to everything that fits my idea. Yep. So the minute I hear you speaking, I'll interrupt you because I'll jump to conclusions to be sure that you're going to, you know, this is the way we're doing it. Yep. Right. Yep. And that, that was the biggest problem. And that was always the challenge with Lizzie too. And my son is not, it's like listening, like you just said, connecting with where they're at and giving up on what, like investigating what I think they're up to or where I think they're going, right? Right. Because I thought for sure Lizzie was yeah. never going to talk to me again or I was just going to have to, you know, she was have this cold relationship till she's 18, but I wasn't going to get off it. Yeah. Well, was, this, this, this happens with us and this happens with us. Um, in some particular ways, right? I mean, even happened, even happened, I was watching it in real time for me, you know, an hour ago, we're in the conversation around how we're going to clean up this thing, how we're yep. going to fix this thing. And, you know, I'm, uh, I've, I've got some fears about like when I, when I hear you upset about something that you're going to go operate upset, mm -hmm. you know, and, but in the conversation, I'm just listen, 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 which I did. Sounds like it worked. Listen, listen, listen. And then I, and I slowed down and said, okay, hold on. Let me tell you, let me tell you a few things that are important to me. And the three things I said back were, yes, these are big issues. I want to get all these issues fixed. Second is I want you and I to be connected no matter what at the end of this thing. Yep. You know, and that even, oh, even just brings emotion to me. Just thinking about, wow. I don't know. Um, I mean, do you think, do you think there's something that could separate uh, that? Like my commitment to you, I, that's a great. I mean, there must be some fear that I'm just going to, I must be feeding it somehow. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know. I mean, the, the emotion for me is around, um, 
I mean, it's really, uh, it's a faith conversation for me. And I don't mean religious. I mean, just, I mean, real faith, like real. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, like, um, can, can we build a relationship that can, that can take on any storm? Yeah. So when I say real faith, I mean, like, I'm going to stand with or whether you're there or not. I'm, I believe that whatever comes up, it's going to be what's where I'm going to be met in it. Right. Like the, the, the worst is going to be bring out the best. It's like, it's going to die, but the Phoenix will rise. Yeah. That kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, faith. Well, and in, in the context, in the context of business operations, it's like, yeah, by the way, there were some other challenges a year ago that I don't even remember what they were, you know, because as, as you, at least that's my experience is like, as we're moving through life, as I'm moving through life, as we're solving problems, the things that seemed like a big deal a year ago, I don't even remember what they were anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's like in the moment, making sure that no matter what happens, the most important things stay. Yeah, I'm wondering, no, honestly, I was authentic when I was asking how have I been with you that would, like, is what part of my reactions trigger the idea that I wouldn't be there when that happens? Not that it, oh, but I'm interested in that. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know that it has much to do with you, to be honest. Um, I'm just checking in. Yeah. I don't know that it has much to do with you. I think it has more to do with, um, you know, there are ways in which I just try to probably keep things peaceful and I betray the intention by keeping things peaceful. Well, and, and, I, and I, I have a tendency to put a knife in things sometimes too early. Yeah. But I know you've seen that. I know you've seen me. I'll just, okay, that's it. And okay, let's pay the price. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I've learned to check myself because a lot of times that's just an escape for me, not really... I, I'm, it's also a strength, but it can be a weakness. It can be a way to run. Right. So I'm thinking, I wonder if subjectively some of my, because I'll flare up and then you might be afraid that, okay, is he going to put a knife in this? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's prob probably, probably that's part of it. And it's it probably hooks into your own history. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean. <clears throat> so. The, I guess my point here is, is, is for me in that moment, realizing uh, instead of trying to make things okay, because I, I, I said it to myself, I don't know, maybe five or six months ago, realizing such a tendency in myself to just try to make things better all the time. And sometimes they, making things better is the it's best bad. way to ruin something. That's right. It's the best way to ruin something. That's beautiful. Making things better is the best. It can be a lot of times, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's, you know, it's the old, I mean, the, uh, how many times, a million times a, a, a day do people say, you know, rearranging the furniture on the Titanic, that analogy has become, you know, so well used. And, and that's it, right? It's like, hey, let's just stay busy dealing with what's here instead of, you know, saying what's really happening. Oh, hey, the boat is going down. It's so we funny because I go the opposite way where I pull, like I said, remember I said I've been pulling back. I didn't want to say anything to ruffle the feathers when I saw things. I didn't, I didn't want to impugn, you know, or try to, so I held back and that was my, 
I could have found a way to say that. So it got handled. I mentioned it, but I didn't follow through with it. And, and I've, that's a pattern for me because, uh, and part of it's linked to, I don't want to piss people off and alienate them. And then, but later on, I'll just flip and get harsh because I didn't say what was really there when it, ha when it yeah. was there, right? Yeah. So this time I just caught it and said, well, you know, you didn't say it when it was there. So that's on you, pal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right? Like now, yeah. now find a way to say it so you don't, so you can bring the relationship together and still let's see what's possible in right. what we are doing, not with you, but just yeah. in the situation that we're working on. That's right. I, I don't, I, I funny, I have great confidence in our relationship. Yeah. And so I'm really glad that, you know, so when that stuff comes up, I want you to, to tell me. So, yeah, because I, I want to, also, I want to be myself. So I do get emotional, but yeah. I want you to know, I do actually see myself getting emotional. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, you know, the old saying, don't kill an Egyptian, right? Moses killed an Egyptian, had to wander, <laughs> a, a, you know, a generation in the desert. Let's not do that in our own life. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I think probably to bring it back to this, it's like, but it's intention that keeps us straight. That's right. Yeah. And that's my broader point is like, okay, so all this stuff's happening out in real life, all this stuff's happening between us and slow it down, prioritize these things, make sure you make sure for me, make sure I say it right. Make sure. And, and if in the idea of sacrifice, which I think is right on, like what, what have I also been holding on to? That has also been the problem that I could give up. That I could give up for the for the for the long term gain, right? That's right. The short term, maybe the short term getting along for the long term loyalty. You know, because yeah. you know one of the things is if you think about it, um, particularly in a business when you're hiring people, it, it's crazy because long term relationships are one intrinsically gratifying and two they're efficient. And, and should be intentionally built. Think about it intentionally because turnover requires retraining and, and creates a ton of setbacks and costs, et cetera. So yeah. just in the nature of business, it's wise to have an intention of when we hire somebody, how can we develop the long-term relationship? That's part of what we're working with you, Chad, on, right? Is mm -hmm. how do we do that? And what kinds of investments will best accommodate that and, yeah. Without taking the responsibility out of the other person's lap as well. Like, well, here's what I'm committed to. Yeah. I'm committed to this relationship. Yeah. I just want to pull out for a second and uh, <clears throat> the Muppets Christmas Carol is fresh on my mind. So I'm going to use, <laughs> I'm going to use that analogy where, you know, that all, everything's happening with Scrooge and, and, and tiny Tim and all this stuff. And then they pull out to Gonzo and he, and he does a little uh, narrating. And so that's what I want to do here really quick. I just want to, I just want to point out, how beautiful it is to witness you two realigning on intent in real time. Yeah. And I just want, for those of you that are listening, might be wondering, why did they leave this <laughs> in the podcast? What are they doing? And it's, it is a perfect example, not a perfect example, but it is an example. It's a beautiful example of realigning with, with, with intention and a, a shared intention. Yeah, because, well, you know, I think one of the things we have a tendency, at least I do, to think fairly linear about these things. So, for instance, if I'm clear in my mind, I must be clear 
right? I can have an intention. You ever done this where you say, I'm going to have this happen, and then it doesn't happen? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose 10 pounds, and then it doesn't happen. Or I'm going to save $100, uh, $10,000 in the next six months, and it doesn't happen. And, and I feel like I've done everything to do it. How come I couldn't get it done, right? And I was clear, right? So there's, I think it's important to understand that <clears throat> there is a th such thing as conflicting intentions, right? Because when you talk about the different parts of the brain, you're, you, you have like your primitive brain is regulating the temperature of your skin, the, the pressure of your blood, the, you know, the, the, the keeping your eyes nice and moist, you know, saliva in your mouth. I mean, there's all, it's doing all these things. You're not even thinking about it. But you're, you, I can guarantee you, biologically, it intends to do that. That's why it's doing it. Now, why do I use that? Well, because if you can think of intention like, a, like, a, like an iceberg, 10% of it's above the water. And so that 10%, you could be clear as hell. That's, that's what you're aware of. But so much of our life, our thought life, our relational life, we, we all have experienced that where we do something, we don't even know why we did it. And then mm -hmm. later on, we start thinking about it and we realize, wow, that was going on for me. I didn't even know it. Right. Well, that, those are, how do you get it? Th those are the things that keep us, like if 90% of me that's, that I can't see is intending to stay fat <laughs> or you know, comfortable and warm and protected with my weight. And 10% of me is clear as a bell, I'm going to be a svelte model. Well, I'm going to be a little beach ball for a while until I get the rest of my attention lined, aligned with it. Yep. And so, you know, and a lot of our work with incorporations, because this is really big with teams, right? They intend to go in one direction, but they end up going in another, no matter how many times they plan, no yep. matter how much work they put into it, no matter how much they budget, no matter how many loans they get, they tend to go, they have a tendency a lot of times to have conflicting intentions. And so what, how does one get to those? How does one find the possibility that is wanted and needed to, to bring forth the intention that what one says matters most? That's really one of the questions that our work answers. Yeah. Well, because any time, yeah. I mean, anytime there's like some kind of breakdown, we earned it. So, you know, yeah, that's good. Right. See, I told you, he just comes out with these things. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, how many, t I mean, this is the process we're in now. It's like, okay, what was the nature of the breakdown? How do we get here? What was missing for us? What, what were we not willing to say? Why were we not willing to say what was missing for us in the relationship? Why were we not willing to say? Like, there's lots of things to explore, which takes time. It does take time. It, it, it does. I mean, it, it does. does take time and it takes, and it's uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. You're challenging your automatic reactions to protect yourself. That's right. Well, and you know, I mean, I, I mean, or I, most of us would prefer that. I mean, I would prefer, I would strongly prefer for it to all go great and all to feel great all the time and to get all the results and feel great all the time while the great results are being created. Look and good, you, be comfortable, be right, be in that's control. Right. Now that's you're right. talking my heaven. That's <laughs> right. That's right. <clears throat> And, you know, and um, most of the time, you know, accounting for what, what, uh, accounting for how we got to where we, where we don't want to be right now, um, is, is humbling. 
you know, and we're, and it'll require, and in order to get through it, we'll need to have conversations that aren't comfortable only because we'd rather not have them or we don't trust the relationship, the relationship can have it, or we have some kind of self-flattering view of ourselves or myself. Like I'd like to not account for it. And the longer I, the longer I wait to try to get the new result without being willing to cop to all the things I didn't do on the front end to get the bad result, that's just, you know, that's delaying the inevitable. But it's, it's, it's amazing to me with like the faster I own something, um, the more uh, rapidly something new can happen. Or how, or how many times in my life, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of times, I've tried to get new results with the old thinking. Yeah, you know, you bring up a thought. My grandfather, one time I was, he hired me to mow his lawn. He hired me to make his lawn, his yard green. I was like 12 years old. I wanted to buy a new glove. I was 11. I wanted to buy a new glove. I asked him if he'd buy it for me. He laughed at me. He goes, what do you think I am, a bank? How do you think I am, You're Santa Claus? You know, and so he said, I'll tell you what, you make my yard green, I'll give you $100 a month. Well, now I'm thinking about buying a baseball team, not a glove. Because in 1966, that's a lot of money, $100 a month. So I'm over there mowing that lawn, and I'm fertilizing every day, and I killed the shit out of it. <laughs> And so two weeks later, I come in to get the money. The, he slaps me in the head and tells me, get out of here. Is the lawn green? I'm, so I go home. I'm, I'm butthurt. I go home. I'm weeping. I, I, Papa just hit me. I did all that work. And my dad knew all the work I did because I was over there working. Why did he do that? I can't believe it. So my dad calls my grandfather, <laughs> calls him up. And I hear him talk to my grandfather. He comes back in my bedroom. And I go, well, what did Papa say? And he slapped me in the side of the head. He goes, you stupid? He, 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 I go, what? I'm not stupid. What do you, I'm, I take my, where, I take out my, uh, my suitcase. And I start throwing, I'm running away. He goes, yeah, that's great. You go ahead with the, with the attitude you got. You're going to be like the rest of the people out there who aren't making a living. You don't make a living by going to work. You make a living by making the grass green. All you got to do is go make the grass green. He doesn't care how much you work. And I, I, and I go, whoa. So I go back to pops my grandfather. And I go, Pop, why'd you hit me? Why didn't you just talk to me? He goes, there's not, we didn't need to talk about it. The problem with talking about it is you'll think something got done by it, talking about it. Just, you knew what you needed to get done. Go get it done. Then come back and talk to me. But you insult me. You come back here and think I'm going to, you know, give you money when you just destroyed my yard. <laughs> I was like, okay, got to check. One of the best lessons I ever learned. Yeah. But people get offended with that stuff. You know, they, you know, I was offended, but it really made a difference. Yeah. You know, and he was holding the line. And he's, to this day, my father, my grandfather, John Hanley, uh, there's a number of guys, Bill, I can talk like seven leaders I've had. Bill Silva was a coach that I had in high school, and, and J.R. Young was a pastor. These are all people that stood. And then I had this gal, Kelly Poulos, I worked for, tough as nails, taught me, all, and they all taught me something about like that, right? You remember them. Because yeah. their intention, I, one thing I remember about all of them is that their intention was to have me do well, right? So when they were upset with me, it wasn't they weren't upset at me. They were upset for me. Mm -hmm. And I really got it from them. Like, I remember this guy, I remember Bill Silva in my face, this football coach, like spitting so mad. And I, I sat down and I didn't feel abused. I felt empowered. I was like, wow, I never thought of that. And I, I should be as mad as he is. <laughs> it was interesting. 
Really? Did you make the lawn green? Did I what? Did you make the lawn green? I sure did. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You don't give up. Can you imagine what Thanksgiving would be like at my grandfather's table if I quit? Oh my God, I didn't even think. That was like, that wasn't an option. <laughs> Let me just give you an example. My grandfather, I'm, I, got, I come over to his house and, you know, he had golfers. He lived in Sebastopol. The soil was really soft. He had orchards, right? And he had this lawn and he had these flowers. And the gopher holes had gophers crucified above them, bleeding into the hole. He gutted them. I go, Papa, why do you do that? He goes, they have families. <laughs> I think I'm going to do the work and make the grass green. So I started reading about that. That's hilarious. I've never heard that story. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. He used to crucify the I – that was the first thing I'd do is go see which, how many gophers he caught. And he, he cut them, and he put them up on a little – like a cross, and they would bleed into the hole. That is an old Italian for you. <laughs> we used to laugh on that. Uh, that's funny. Well, we've, uh, we've been all over the place with this conversation. Yeah. I, I would love to um, talk about setting intentions uh, as people, as you know, most of our audience are, are leaders in business, leaders in teams, executives. Um, how do we start to figure out and align our intention with both ourselves? Because Dan, you talked about the conflicting intention. Right. How do you get at those intentions? Yeah. How do we get at it and also start to bring a, a team with us or a partner or somebody? Um, and we had, we obviously we saw a beautiful example here as, as you guys got reconnected to an intention that you had already created, but this is for a lot of people, this is such a new idea, right? This is such, they've been so focused. They've been so distracted by mechanism and strategy. And now they're thinking about intention. Well, what, can we, a, what can we leave them with? Well, you know, look, first off, if you're not clear about what you want to have happen, then you're hampered. You got to get really clear. And usually the good news about business is we know what we want to have happen. Right? So if you get really clear and you get that clear, then you got to ask yourself, well, what relationships will serve that happening? Right? It's different than what strategy is going to serve that to happen. Well, yeah. what relationship will serve that happen? What kinds of principles are you going to work from? I love that focus on relationship. Right? Well, so, what could, so there's a number of things. One is, I know for Adrian and I, we are committed to being radically honest, you know, or, and, and fiercely transparent. So radically honest about what we see and interpret, fierce, you know, about what's there. Radically honest about what's going on. This happened, that happened, this happened. And then I, the second thing is, if I'm going to be really transparent, this is what's happening for me, right? So having those difficult conversations, you think about it, that opens possibility. Why? Because if you're not having the difficult conversations, you've probably exhausted the possibility that is contained in the conversations that you've had for ongoingly for many, many months or years. Yeah. And if you're not willing to risk the 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 stasis of the relationship for the possibility of the future. Yeah. Get to find, then you won't have the difficult conversations. So in fact, people can be so removed from the difficult conversations. They don't even know how to identify them. The very openings to have them look like threats rather than possibilities. Yes. 
It's like if your team comes in late, if they don't produce what they said they're going to do, and you don't address it with them, and you don't explore the relationship behind it that makes it okay to do that, and you don't explore your own relationship, like, like why wouldn't I have this conversation? What am I afraid of losing? And what's wanted and needed for me to have the conversation to explore the possibility I've yet to get into because that conversation represents a door. That breakdown represents a door. And how can I best have that conversation based on what I want to have happen? Like, given I want to have this, whatever it is, turn out, what's the best approach? How can I declare that to them, make sure that they're clear that that's what I'm up to, invite them in, be willing to hear what they have to say, right? A fierce conversation. And that's going to start with really interrogating what's going on currently in reality, right? If you're not willing to see reality, then most of our visions are fantasies because every vision comes out of reality. So the more I can get connected to reality, and if you think about it, nature always optimizes for the whole. You know what I mean? No, what do you mean? So in evolution, the individual, it's a paradox. The individual is what makes life contributes to the whole. Mm-hmm. Now, if the individual doesn't contribute to the whole, nature will remove them. They, we fail. That's what failure is. We're all energy. We go back to the energy pile and get remade, right? But, but I mean, that's how, that's how it works. You, so being in touch with reality helps me understand what's wanted and needed in a visceral way, in a valuable way, so that I can give myself in a way that makes a difference for the whole. Mm-hmm. That's how I get my value. So if I just go off as a lone wolf or I'm going to do it on my own, I'm actually going to alienate the team and there's more power in the four or five of us than there is in just one of us. Yeah. I'd rather have 10 eyes on it than one set of eyes on it. Yeah. And I'm thinking through for those listening, like I'm, I'm thinking about the, the challenges I hear, uh, the people that share, if I'm coaching an executive or something, usually what's interesting, what I hear quite often is the whole lonely at the top thing most of the time I think the conversation's happening for them because I'll, you know, let's say there's a breakdown with one of their VPs or something and I'll just ask simply, well, have you talked to them about it? Yeah. And the answer that's, that's a good way to simplify what I just said. That's good. <laughs> that's <laughs> thanks, good. For that, thanks for making that relevant. <laughs> that's wonderful. Wonderful. Um, yeah, have you talked to them about it? And usually the answer is no. And, and why not? Yeah, why not is that's usually what's interesting you know, for the person I'm talking to, that's usually one of the smartest, I mean, I've coached really smart people that blow me out of the water intellectually. Uh, but so it's always interesting that, you know, they've got enough, it's, it's not an intellectual challenge, um, but because they don't trust the relationship or they haven't built the type of relationship that can sustain a tough conversation or they don't have a solution you know, most top performers are used to having the solution. So they only want to talk about it when they know what to say next. Yeah. And then they wonder how come they can't resource their team. And or, and or they know, I mean, you know, CEOs, they know about all the ways they're blowing it, but they also know that people below them aren't seeing most of those, but they know them. So they hold them so 
um, like an indictment against them. And so they actually will only challenge the relationships so in such a way that they won't be challenged because they're already so hard on themselves. That's what I meant by, uh, by fierce transparency so that you, they, the team can see not only what I'm struggling with, but how I'm overcoming it. That's right. Because like they'll say, well, I've got to be a leader. Well, you want to be a great leader. Your team learns by working with you to overcome something. And they, they watch how you keep bringing yourself back to the re and resourcing the problem to find the possibility in the problem. Yeah. Right? That, that's what you do well with the leaders. I've seen you do it. This is why I think people hate meetings. Part of why they hate meetings is we're not having the real conversations. And we all know the conversations that are needed, but nobody's willing to have them. And or when they go off and do a retreat, it's so freaking frightening and they'll do play golf instead of have a conversation because they don't know what's going to happen. Like, you know, the, if we all sit in a room and talk about for a second about, Hey, what do we not know? Or like, what's like, what do we not have the solutions to? Well, you know, you've hit it on, I just want to bring, remember the client, we had a client we worked with fairly. And as we looked through them, we did the culture report. They're quite dogmatic. And they had a complaint about a couple of the team members that were just very gifted, but loners and were hurting the team more than helping them. And when it came up in the, in the training, we started to address it. I never seen anybody run from a conversation so quick. All of a sudden the two, the, the people that were outside not trusting each other were on the same time justifying why they ought not have the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, 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 Oh, everything's working fine. If we had this conversation, this was their little word. If we, we can't let, we can't talk about that because it'll be used against us. Mm -hmm. Right. That stuff goes on all the time in a culture. So I said, great. Then let's talk about how it gets used against you. Let's talk about that. Oh no, that'll get used against us. You don't understand. And I think, and then my point is, well, then why work here? <laughs> if that's really how it is, do you really know it's that way? Right. We don't know because in the past, right? And that's probably the biggest tell is in the past, it was this way. Well, in, that's what I interpreted about the past. What if there was things I missed about the past that if I had them could have turned it around? What, so right. that's the value of owning my part, then I can, I'm not going to be as reactive, which makes me be able to be open and hear what's said and consider it and then counter. Because I, every executive I noticed that is if we can do that, we can get down deep into the issue that seemed to be too prickly to touch. Mm -hmm. Right. And you do that well, Adrian, like when you just framed it, but that's what, that's what fierce transparency is. Radical yeah. honesty is just pointing it and saying, this is what I see. And then fierce transparency is, here's how I contributed to it. Yeah. Yeah. That is naked leadership. That is, that is naked leadership. I wonder why I'm so cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, for all of us, I mean, I think I, at least as we've been talking here, I've been thinking about how, as a leader, about how special sometimes I think I am or how unique I think my challenges are when and even for executives that are listening or wrestling you know it's like we we think that our, our that what's we're going through because of the nature of our current position whatever that position is the nature of the position makes the challenges i'm facing really distinct and yes the details are distinct 
but the experience isn't that distinct because it's always going to be a human experience. I always want to look good and I always want to be right about things and I want to cover my own ass and I want to, you know, be respected, all those things. But those are the same concerns that are existing at every layer of the organization, just have different particulars in the circumstances that that person has to manage. And I think part of the power here is like, as a leader, if you're willing to just own it all and own how, uh, how I'm doing or how I'm doing well or how I'm doing poorly or what I know or what I don't know or what's still mysterious to me or what I wish I knew. And or what about, yeah, I, or that I'm familiar with my own bias. Yeah. Whatever they are, my own biases or bias. I, I don't know what the plural is on that, but, but if I'm aware of them, then I can keep them in check. Like, you know, okay, look, I tend to jump to conclusions and get emotional when I feel myself getting emotional instead of, going, you know, indulging it, I'm going to look and see what I'm afraid of. Yeah. Right. Like there's some bias in here that's influencing this. So if I can look through that, I probably can hear the other person. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I, I, I can pick it off in me when I have to intervene or interrupt all the time and jump to conclusions before I've actually heard what's going on. Yeah. That's one of the ways. But how, I mean, Listen, if executives don't have people speaking to them or don't invite these conversations, then their biases will have them and they won't be as effective. And then what they'll have to do is, like we all do, through failure, get in touch with those biases or switch careers, quit, do something other until yeah. I'm willing to get a hold of those biases. They go with me wherever I am. So there I am. Yeah. Well, and everybody's accountable somewhere, even if it's uh, the CEO's accountable up to the board or the, the VP's accountable up to the CEO, you know, there's at some point, everybody is paid to deliver. The knots come through the comb at some point. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think a lot of the loneliness that comes out, especially in this intention conversation, why people aren't willing to like have it or have the, the, uh, have the holistic one that's needed really to talk about what's missing. Because I think a lot of times, when we are either, it's not, it's when, let's say we're not on track or we fear we're not going to be on track. I know for me, I can see other people as threats. Mm. Yeah, well, that's just, yeah. What you're, because it's so subtle. Yeah. I mean, when you wouldn't when say you were, it, they won't say it that way. Yeah. But if you think about it, it's right on because what you just said is really powerful. When we were accounting for some of the ways we've contributed to the current mess, they were all around not wanting to rock the boat, not wanting to look bad, feel bad, right? They were just subtle. We thought, and we, I framed it like I'm, I'm being a good guy. You know, I'm, I'm being how I'd want you to be with me. I'm, you know, I'm not going to say anything about this. That's jumping to conclusions versus how can I say this to see if it's actually going on? Yeah. If I'm not satisfied, how can I talk about this and own and be transparent? Okay, I'm going to take the risk. You're going to be pissed at me. I'm not satisfied. Help me see this until I'm satisfied, till I get it. Mm -hmm. And that'll help me learn, and that'll help you learn. So I was looking at that saying, okay, that, why didn't I say that? Well, because I wanted to be light. I didn't want to rock the boat. I, you know, I was, it was a threat. Yep. I had made it up a threat in my own head. And then I made it virtuous on top of that. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's, it sounds to me in all of this, <clears throat> we could break it down basically into, Dan, what's the quote? The treasure you seek is in the, cave, in the, in the dark cave you don't want to enter. Yeah, Joseph, I, yeah the, the treasure you seek is in the cave you don't want to go into. That's Joseph Campbell. Yeah, as, as, as those of you that are listening and you start to think, man, 
how do I get this intention set for myself, for my team, for, you know, our vision for the project or the company, whatever that is, what I hear you two saying and circling around is it's in the conversations you least want to have. Yes. And the, that's where it feels threatening, but that's mm-hmm. where the gold is. That's where the new possibility is because you have been mining all the possibility out of the comfort zone. It's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not enough to get to where you, the next level. So the low the next, hanging fruit is gone. Gone. And now you get to go into the area that you don't like to, you know, like, like you, you're afraid of the new territory. That's where yeah. the new gold is. That's great. Yeah. Well, it's worth saying, I mean, it's kind of in line a few times, like, because people will say, um, like, this is going to be a difficult conversation. You know, I, I don't want to have that. Or people say I'm not good with conflict. Um, and really what they also say is like, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't want to have a difficult conversation, which is just worth noting, like, um, difficult sucks when it's purposeless. Difficult it's is, meaning. it's mean. Yeah, difficult is meaning if it's purposeful, you know? So if I think something's difficult and I'm going to avoid it, it just means I haven't slowed down and say, why might this be worth it? Because if I can get connected to the worth it, then I'm going to go have it. And it won't be difficult. It'll just be the necessary price I've got to pay for admission. You know, like to reinvent, you know, like to reinvent a relationship is work and I'm going to learn a bunch and I'm going to be wrong in ways I don't want to be wrong. And I'm going to be misunderstood. I know for me, some of my, you know, famous places I go, uh, you know, I'm going to be misunderstood, blah, 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 blah. That'll be worth it if I want what's on the other side. I mean, sometimes with clients, it's just like, hey, you're, I, I hear you don't want to climb this mountain. You haven't decided what's on the other side yet. That's what I was going to say. That worth it is the intention you're connected to. That's right. And that is a moving effing target, right? So it's not like every day of the week, I'm going to wake up connected to why I'm up to what I'm up to, right? Like I, but, I, but, I, but it's up to me to choose why I'm up to what I'm up to. Nobody else can do that for me. You know, I signed the contract for this multi-million dollar position 10 years ago and I hate my job today. Well, I haven't yet redecided. There was clear to me back then why I said yes to the position. And I wanted all the challenges. And over the last 10 years, I've decided to get all victim and stuff and why people don't like me into the market, blah, 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 team, blah, blah. And I'm, I, and I'm unhappy now with the job. The job hasn't changed probably. Uh, yeah, this reminds me a lot of the conversation. Uh, we had a conversation with a client who's, he's one of the top execs in the company and the company's leadership is changing. And, and he said to me, he said, I go, so he had aspirations. He wants to run the company. He's really one of the guys that could be, move to the CEO position or, you know, a position of equal authority and responsibility. And he digs it and he's very qualified and he's performed well, but he said something, he said, you know, I don't know. I don't want to have that conversation now with the exec, with the team or with the executive uh, on the board about me becoming the CEO because they're in, in the middle of transition. And I just don't, you know, I don't want to, rock the boat. I said, well, so let's think that out. So what happens when they make a decision, then you let them know that you would like to be the one that they, and it's not you that they choose, or they choose in a direction that you, th- you have better, better evidence that it's a good to go this way. And if they decide and you haven't been in that process, who do you show up as because you waited? 
because you weren't willing to rock the boat. And man, he goes, I didn't have to say a word. He goes, I'm having that conversation tomorrow. And he did. And it turned out that when he had the conversation, he found out that what the, what the, his, the, you know, the chairman of the board was thinking was, and the board is thinking is he is one of the people and he, he was glad to hear he wanted it and that he had in mind more than this guy hadn't had thought for himself. Mm -hmm. Right. But he probably, this guy told me he didn't know if that guy would have, like, if he didn't speak up, he wouldn't have known that he was really up for it and may have discounted the possibility of bringing him to that position because he's such a good soldier. Yep. Well, great gentlemen. This feels like a a good point to, to depart and push pause on the conversation. Let's do it. Thank you for your, presence and your authenticity and and bringing the goods yeah this is worthy yeah. information i hope it made sense it has some <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the many faces of naked leadership <laughs> <laughs> well as always i'm honored i'm so grateful to be in this conversation and uh we'll talk soon all right man awesome thanks chad thanks dan bye, bye everybody The most important part of any of these conversations is the action that follows. Whoever it is that you want to create results with, go set intention with them. Thanks so much for joining us. If this conversation has helped you at all or entertained you, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your awesome podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. really helps us grow the community. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing this podcast with those who are looking for a new way of leading. We'll be back next week with another great episode and incredible guest that you will not want to miss. Remember, leadership is a mindset. Bye, y'all.